Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Nittany Lions Sports Report here on Bob Long Sports. It's a Sports Stream Premium Network House production. Bob Long, Tyler Galehouse with me as always. Our guest picker tonight will be Ryan Lennox, a producer for Villanova basketball and football radio broadcast. So we'll talk to him about the Wildcats and the upcoming FBS, Penn State versus FCS, Villanova matchup coming up. Number six versus number seven, Tyler. Of course, Penn State number six in the national polls and Villanova number seven in the FCS. So that will be fun. But we need to talk about Auburn, and we're going to break it down in depth for you today. Tyler, we were there. We are on opposite ends of the stadium. Penn State at 28 to 20 winner. There's a lot to get into, but where do you want to start? What was your takeaway from that game? Yeah, I have a couple of takeaways. First, I'm still trying to, as you can hear, trying to get my voice back. Um, you know, my legs hurt a little bit too. I feel like I actually played the game. I walked about 15 miles on Saturday um, and not the best walking shoes. And I stood the whole game. I screamed the whole game. So st still feeling it on my end. Um, but, you know, it was the first thing I'm going to say outside of the atmosphere was that was probably the best game I've seen Sean Clifford play start to finish um, outside of that, um, that home run shot at the end of the half there, trying to make something happen with some time left. Um, he was on fire, 28 of 32, uh, 280 yards, two touchdowns. He looks like a new and improved quarterback um, already from, from week one, really. Um, and, and hopefully this is something that they can build upon. And, and hopefully this is a Sean Clifford we get the rest of the season because that's the case. We're going to have good results. Better footwork, quicker, more effective reads, better mm -hmm. accuracy. Uh, besides the one interception, his misses were safer misses. Really good all around from the play caller. But I do believe it all stems, Tyler, from the footwork. And his footwork has improved dramatically. Yurcich has given him, I think, less to think about in some ways. And really a well-called game by Mike Yurcich as well. Got the tight ends involved as well oh, yeah. as I've ever seen him. Some slips there, some miscommunications, some mismatches, you know, corners on, on uh, tight ends at times or, you know, linebackers thinking they're run blocking. And then Brenton Strange pops out and goes for 40 yards. Thought the tight ends were excellent. Jahan Dotson, of course, excellent again. Um, and Sean Clifford, the beneficiary of all of that. Also the pass blocking, right? We'll talk yeah. a little bit about the run blocking, but the pass blocking was awesome. And I thought that the opening play where he stood there for about eight seconds in the pocket so, sent yep. a message early on. And that was a big message to send in front of the whiteout crowd. Yeah, I, I, I think all those are great points, you know, about the pass blocking. I thought that that – that um yeah, the third down conversion of Keandre Lambert-Smith. He, I counted it. He had seven Mississippi seconds, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, all the way to seven Mississippi. Lambert-Smith came back to the ball first down, um, and then you saw it a little bit on the Jahan Dotson touchdown. I mean, Clifford didn't get sacked at all. I mean, he kept his jersey clean. Uh, the pass blocking was phenomenal. Um, and, and we I, we talked about getting the tight ends involved, and who would have thought that we would see a Wildcat touchdown from the third string tight end and Tyler Warren. Um, you know, he even caught a ball from Jahan Dotson. So I thought the tight ends would get involved. I thought it'd be crucial to get them involved, but I didn't necessarily think 
One, it would be Tyler Warren catching a ball from Jahan Dotson and two, running it in from a Wildcat touchdown. But yeah, great play development and scheme too by uh, by your such especially Bob on that on that long play to Strange where he was actually left he was set up in the left tackle spot and they had Caden Wallace the right tackle all the way out of the receiver spot in his stance and they just leaked out Strange and down he went and set up a touchdown. Yeah, great play calls all around. Uh, I thought Tyler Warren getting involved was great. Didn't expect to see him play the role that he did. Uh, even on that play where Jahan Dotson did make the throw, I made the point to the folks I was sitting next to of this is an interesting formation with the two tight ends lined up on the same side of the field, and then Dotson came in motion. And I said, this is, this is different. Uh, I wonder what they do. Not that I had that play predicted by any stretch of the imagination, but some trickery there on an already uh, unconventional uh, format setup sequence and I thought Tyler Warren bringing him in as the, uh, you know, as the wildcat of the direct snap there was, I'll call it an interesting call. He had some experience playing that role in high school. Big guy made the read mm-hmm. option. I uh, didn't think he made a great read, obviously, on the second one. Uh, as we talk about a lot, the run pass option is about leaving a defensive end uncontested and then having that, that, that end make the decision. Well, on the second one, on the other end of the field where he was dropped for a big loss, the end went after Warren. Noah Kane came across. Handoff probably should have gone to him there. But uh, you know what? He's yeah. a redshirt freshman. He's learning. And I, I thought the first one, of course, was effective. Of course it is, right? But um, mm-hmm. his him busting it outside of the tackle box made me wonder what was going on there. Maybe there was more to that play that didn't quite develop. But, uh, again – making decisions outside the box, taking chances, keeping teams off balance. Mike Yersich did it, did it to a T. I even liked the fake punt. That was another situation where fourth and one, and they sent the punt unit out. And again, I said to the guy I was sitting next to, uh, if there's ever a time for a fake, here it is. And then even the way you saw Penn State yeah. um, huddling, they, they you thought up, maybe that was. Yep, they sped it up there. Uh, and I, 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 liked, I liked the call. I did too. And I, I, you know, I actually probably, you know, a lot of people I think probably agree with me. I think BJ must forgot the first down. Uh, even when I went back and watched the game, when the whistle blew, there's no way that 325 pound body was not at least a yard over the line, the, the, the line, the game there. Um, but, you know, thankfully that, that didn't cost them the game or any of the other, weird situations with the refs just totally you know misblown calls and shortage of down but thank god that's not what we're here to talk about because you know if Penn State loses that game that's probably the number one of the top three subjects (laughs) yeah I think so I mean other things that stood out to me and we'll talk about the officiating but I thought Penn State played extremely well yeah, they go into halftime, it's 14-10. Probably should have been 17-10 at least. Mm-hmm. And Brandon Smith makes the interception. Or if Clifford makes a better decision, you know, I, I don't completely absolve him on that uh on that heave. That was not a that was not a throw. That was a prayer towards the end zone. I know he got hit and that might have taken a little bit off of it. Doesn't take away the fact that he was double covered down the field. That was a bad decision, but again, not the end of the world. Big one is squeeze it if you're Brandon Smith and you got at least three. If not, maybe find your way into the end zone on the return there. Uh, but short of that, I thought 14-10, call it 
was as good as you could have asked for. I thought Auburn played a great game in the first half. They, they continued did. to in the second half. And those are tough physical games where when you find yourself up for it half as a coach like James Franklin or Mike Yersich, you're happy with where you are. Where from where my seat was, I thought Penn State was playing excellent football through the first 30 minutes. Yeah, you know what? And and I, I give Auburn a lot of credit. Um, they, they played tough the whole way through, I think. You know, I'm not an Auburn follower or anything like that, but I think they have a pretty good coach from what it looks like with Brian Harson. And the team played hard. Um, they didn't quit. They were in it till the very end, had their chances. Um, you know, even Bo Nix didn't turn the ball over. I mean, he really couldn't get the ball down the field much outside of maybe two throws. Their running game was phenomenal. Um, it, but you know what? I think the better team won. Um, Sean Clifford made plays. And, um, you know, one thing that I noticed on the replay from watching on my TV is the Penn State defense looked incredibly fast out there, um, you know, especially earlier on in the game, just swarming to the ball. Um, you know, we talked a lot about this defense already this year. They just look faster, really, than, than I've seen them before. And that back four, that secondary group might be the best we've I, you know, as far as I can remember, it might be the best secondary Penn State's had, at least in my lifetime. Yeah, I, well, it's different, right? I mean, um, there have been some really, really good Mark, – you know, Marcus Allen, he's playing in the NFL, tremendous guy to strong safety, come up at the line, stop the run, lay the wood. Uh, Jaquan Brisker, in terms of ball skills and anticipate, anticipation – uh, his ability to get into space and his quickness off the snap, he is, I believe, yeah, just as good as as anybody we've seen at that position in a long time. Castro Fields is playing his best football in a Penn State uniform, and Joey Porter Jr. is a future pro. There's no doubt about that. He is yeah, fantastic top, at that top, position. Yeah. I mean, when, whenever he decides to come out, I think he's going to be, you know, a, a first or second rounder, to be honest with you. I, I still think he has a ton of – potential to tap into but I'm just very confident with the secondary right now no team has had really much success at all throwing on Penn State um so you know it's going to be interesting these these next couple of weeks after Villanova they're going to be tested even more you know so if this defense keeps showing up like this they're going to be in every game and I like the way Brent Pry called the football game as well. I thought he mixed in his substitutions well. I think he did a great job bringing pressure. Your personnel is a big part of that as well. You talk about how much you like your secondary. Uh, this is not a position, what I'm about to say, where Penn State has struggled in the past from a talent perspective, but they're edge rushers this year, even losing, you know, Gross Matas a couple of years ago and Tony last year. And even Owe, who won, made the game-saving play against uh, Kansas City last mm -hmm. night for Baltimore. Even with all that, these two guys, Ebikete and, of course, Luketa coming from the linebacker position to an edge rusher, they're really good. I'm not saying there's depth there, but I'm saying that those two guys are fantastic at the Big Ten and college football level. And they're going to continue to make some hay. Uh, Mustafer is really good up the middle, stuff in the run. Still need to see a little bit more from Tangelo. Again, we said a lot of this last week as well. But uh, you like that front four. Linebacking core is good. It is interesting, though, for the second time in as many weeks or second time in three weeks, 
I was a little bit surprised by a Big Ten weekly honor, Tyler. The first one I was surprised by was Jordan Stout against Wisconsin after missing the extra point and the short field goal. Granted, he punted the ball great. Uh, I'm also surprised to hear Brandon Smith listed as the Big Ten defensive player of the week. I thought, obviously, he had double-digit tackles and all that is good. I think he made some bad decisions in pass rush, bad decisions in coverage, uh, dropped the interception, and yeah. it was not a great call, but there's no reason to even touch the quarterback going out of bounds or the, uh, you know, the, the, the carrier running out of bounds for Auburn there. I'm surprised that with all the performances that he was the guy named sure. the defensive player of the week. I, I, I agree. I was a little surprised, too. You know, if he maybe gets that pick six or whatever there, that would have set him up, you know, probably maybe would have iced it. I don't know what the other guys in the Big Ten did. I was only really focused on this game. Did you um, think he was the best but, player on the field for Penn State defensively? Pro- probably, probably not. No. Um, you know, I, I, but I don't know defensively, I, I think a lot of different guys shined for the defense. Mm-hmm. I even think the, the ends – yeah, and I think the ends played well. They just never got home um, on any sacks, but they were darn close. Um, you know, I think Porter Jr. played well. I think I think the corners both played well. There were they a lot went of after Porter. That, did you notice that? They went after Porter a lot more than they did Castro Fields. Right, and Any I know the one, big, and the one big play was off of Hardy on the, on the uh, back shoulder down the middle. Um, great throw but, by the way I don't blame Hardy yeah that. just really no there's, there's nothing there's nothing you can do about that um I think Smith played a, a good game um and I he's another one when I talk about potential I mean he's got so much more room to grow um which is you know a really good thing but you want to see that really start to click here especially after this 3-0 start and looking ahead at the schedule I mean it, you know a couple of big games coming up, as we mentioned, and you need some you're, – you're one of your best players to really start to get it and be that consistent piece as you're, you know, one of your most important positions on defense there. So you went back and watched the game. You were there in Did. person. Tell me about how the whiteout came across. For, for the folks that were there and didn't get to watch it back on TV and for the folks that watched it on TV and weren't there in person. <laughs> The whiteout is – you can't really describe it to people. You really have to – even if you're not a Penn State fan or an opposing team's fan, it's something – if you're just a football fan or a sports junkie, just to take it in because I don't want to say TV doesn't do it justice, but you see a lot a lot of different cool things when you're at the game and you can feel – actually feel the energy. Um, you know, I didn't sit in my section the whole game. I know a lot of people were in that same boat. Um, you know, just really to be able to see like the, like the sunset, the sun was setting at the time of the game, the whiteout. Um, I know that the blimp has a couple of really cool shots from up top. Um, it's just an amazing spectacle that, um, you really can't describe it to people until they actually, until they go to a game there. And I thought this whiteout was right up there with some of the other great ones that I've been at, you know, Ohio state 2016. Uh, Ohio State 2018, despite the ending, um, this was right up there with all of them. How about the student section? They were full about a good hour before kickoff. Never yeah, seen that. That, before. Th- that was a pleasant surprise. Um, you know, in fact, almost the whole stadium was almost filled with like an hour, la- an hour in warm ups. And 
it's something that I've, I've never even seen despite no matter who the opponent or what the occasion is. Uh, but you know, the whiteout, it's, it's not just the game. It's like, it's a whole, it's like an event, you know, the tailgating, um, and of course the game, but it, it really, it's a great day. It was perfect weather. Um, but yeah, I mean, Penn state, you know, hopefully James Franklin's handing out those halls. I know I could use some right now, but you know, the students certainly deserve it because that, that was impressive by them to be there and, and that loud the whole game. Adam Talafaro made his return to Beaver Stadium for the first time in 20 years. That was incredible to see. Uh, you did get the sense that maybe the students didn't quite understand the gravity and you can't blame them for that. They weren't Some even of them weren't even bored. Yeah, right. You know, but when he was hurt. Yeah, I, there were tons of people, Bob, where I, I, where I was sitting. Um, you know, Saquon Barkley was right in front of us um, on the sideline. You know, Troy Apke was there. Grant Haley was there. Cam Brown. Um, pretty much just a lot of guys were there. Obviously, Saquon was the guest speaker at game day or the guest picker at game day. Um, just Michael Motti was there. And then, of course, the guys that can't make it into town, they get you fired up on the on the video board. Mike Kosicki, Micah Parsons. Um, it's just a really, really good day, um, you know, for Penn State football. And obviously a huge win to cap it off and, and catapults Penn State from number 10 to number six, you know, only three weeks in. But um, you can't ask for a better start right now if you're Penn State sitting at 3-0 and and, and having a, a pretty good resume to back it up right now, probably one of the top resumes already in college football. So um, all good things right now for Penn State. How about that? Penn State jumps from 10 to 6 on a week where every other team in the top 10 won their games. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. Um, after last year, by the way, Penn State, uh, for now it's a seven-game winning streak going back to last year. Um, number one recruiting class in the country. Top 10 ranking at number six. Um, and not to mention, as well, as you just did mention a little bit, Penn State wins. Ohio State and Clemson both win, and Penn State jumps them. Um, I can't say I necessarily saw that coming, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, those two teams have one loss. Um, both of those teams, specifically Clemson, just does not look good right now. Um, not sure what's going on there. Obviously, a new quarterback, but Yugi Aleli or whatever was supposed to be pretty good. Um, you know, only put up 14 points against Georgia Tech, but – Penn State's in a really good spot right now. Um, you know, if things shake out the way they should, you're probably looking at a top five matchup in Iowa City in just under three weeks. Um, I think that's what it is, right, Bob? Three weeks out? Yeah, ninth. Yeah, just, yeah, about a little less than three weeks now. So, you know, if all things go according to plan, that'll be, that'll be one heck of a matchup coming up in a couple of weeks. Let's get back to the offense a little bit. One guy that, uh, aside from Tyler Warren, that really made a debut for himself was the Baylor transfer running back, John Lovett, a guy that we thought was in the doghouse. Jaywan Sider wouldn't even say anything about during yeah, his well, I think I think, he, I think he was in the doghouse for what? I don't know, but all I can say is it's good to have somebody like that that you know, a, a home a home run threat out of the backfield because I think that's that's what Penn State lacks at the running back position. I mean, you have Kane, you have Kane and, and Lee who can just hammer, hammer, hammer. But you throw a guy in like like Love it, it brings another dimension to the offense. 
It does. And he can catch the ball out of the backfield. That is helpful too. Uh, Kevon Lee fumbled early. Hasn't lost a fumble yet this year, Tyler, but did fumble in two consecutive weeks and was able to get it back both times. That Question is for concern. you. Yeah. Would you, did do you agree with Penn State essentially not giving them another handoff the rest of the day after that fumble? Well, Kane is your guy. He's your horse. And I love it showed what he did. And Franklin has shown his ability to ride the hot hand. Uh, okay. He, he begins every press conference after the game with how did they do in the turnover battle? How did they do in the penalty battle? And how did they do in the battle for big plays, right? How, how many big plays do you have versus give up? And if you're leading with turnovers and we lambasted Clifford for everything he did last year, then you have to uphold the same standard at the running back position. And there's such a deep room that if you're not holding on to the football, you're not going to see the field. Yeah. I, you know, I, I agree with it. Um, I just thought that he actually, the run before it, it was a phenomenal run. I mean, for 11 yards, but he got hit at five yards and kept going and pushed some guys mm-hmm. off. Um, you know, obviously it's something he's got to tighten up. Um, but I do, I really like what John Lovett, you know, he didn't fill the stat sheet. He had one catch for 18, but that was a big play. And then he, he only had two, he had two runs. I'm looking here. Um, two runs for nine yards. So, but nobody on the, none of the running backs really killed it, you know, especially running the ball. But I liked what I saw in the little limited sample size from Lovett. And I think Yurcich is going to have, you know, a couple plays per game to get this guy the ball. Um, Cause he, he can be a dangerous weapon that a lot of defenses aren't focusing on. Agreed. Agreed. I think his use of love it there, as well as the tight ends, two major changes offensively from what we've seen in the first two weeks. And some of that is probably gamesmanship, right? You're not going to spill all your chips on the table against ball state. You're going to save something for Auburn and, I don't know that play action fake to love it, rolling Clifford out that direction and throwing it back across the field to a guy like love it with two receivers setting the edge for him on the blocking scheme. I just don't know that that was in Arsenal or uh, in Auburn's arsenal in terms of what they were expecting defensively. So I give credit for Penn State for keeping it quiet on love it, getting him out there in action and putting him in a position to succeed uh, and again, confusing that opposing defense. That was a huge play in that game at the time. Yeah, it, it, it was. And it'll it'll be even more interesting, Bob, to see how the running back room shakes out. And I mean, Devin Ford didn't even get any offensive touches. He's you know, mm-hmm. the primary kick returner. But as we know, the last couple of years, it's been a deep room. Um, and the hot hand will be the guy that's getting majority of the, the, the runs when it matters most in the game. Sure. And the fact that you're talking about a deeper – wide receiver and even now tight end room than you were talking or are talking about at the wide receiver position. That is absolutely bonkers to me because really it, it is those three guys and really, yeah, those three guys, I know Sullivan Brown got uh, some reps, but uh, right. It and is. Eubanks, Eubanks did get some reps. I saw him yeah. out there. Um, but no, you're, you're right. I mean, those three guys have stepped up. I mean, all of them bring something to the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Washington, really, really good. Of course, Dotson is your star. And Keandre Lambert-Smith had a great game. But, again, yeah. I, I'm more, um, pull, I guess, good in a good way, very surprised that you're seeing a guy like Tyler Warren take snaps away from Theo Johnson, a guy that 
a lot of folks thought, hey, he's going to even jump Brenton Strange, although Strange is great in run blocking. Didn't expect to see it out of the fullback position. I mean, he picked up a couple of great blocks of linebackers mm-hmm. from the second level. Number 86 lined up at the true fullback position. One, Penn State fullback, you kidding me? And then two, Brenton Strange is that guy. Mike Yersich made a lot of fans of traditional offensive football fans uh, and, on Saturday and, night. And they went under center quite a bit on go. Saturday night. Nice little play action to Brenton Strange for the t- one touchdown mm-hmm. down in your end. Was he lined up at tight end or fullback for that? That I one was remember. tight end. That one, I believe, tight end. Okay. But that like, that's such a simple play, and it was executed perfectly. It wasn't even close, obviously, but to being defended by Auburn. But that's something that we just haven't seen in the last couple of years. And just go under center, a little play action, and, and just toss it over, and it's an easy touchdown. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see a lot more of it because it's so hard to defend. And if you're running it that smoothly, you know, good luck defending it. Yeah, let's talk about the goal line play on your end of the field. The Noah Kane touchdown, third and goal. Again, gutsy call. You always like it when it works, but uh, it felt, Tyler, like that was the moment of the game and that coming up with three there, having to go for it on fourth and goal could be the difference between winning and losing. And looking at the couple of drives that Auburn had down the stretch, it might have ended up being have been the difference between winning and losing, which was Kane getting that touchdown to put it to 28-20. Well, yeah, I mean, that whole situation with, you know, the targeting on Auburn, on um, Washington, and then now you're first and goal at the one. Really did it on first down. I think Kane, like, lost a yard, actually. Second down, they come in and do the wildcat with Warren. And I kind of thought they were going to throw it just to, like, you know, I thought it was too obvious. Third down, Auburn actually calls a timeout. Penn State runs out. I told my brother, I said, I said, I, I would, I would, I would honestly run it right here because I don't think they're expecting it. You know, you have you have your three, you had three receivers out to the to the left on the same side. You had Kane set up, and the, the, it was clearly it fooled Auburn because he was untouched pretty much getting into the end zone, and he didn't get touched until he was already in. But yeah, tell play. you what, it was close though. It was either a touchdown or he was going to lose three yards because he was almost hit in the backfield. Yeah, but you know, but once he got past that guy, it was it was it was wide open, and um, you know, it definitely gutsy call. And I I like running the ball down there. Obviously, it's tougher to throw when you're down that close to the end zone. Um, so, you know, your your such called a great game. I thought, um, as we talked about earlier, but Clifford in all the right spots, and um, you know, it's that that hire is really paying. We're seeing the dividends paying off already. Yes, yes, we are. I think it is now time to just touch on the officiating in that game. Um, yeah. Let, Where let's do we go, start? <laughs> let's, well, let's go blow by blow. Uh, Penn State forced to punt on third down. The officials took away a down. Everybody in the stadium yeah. knew it. Everybody doing the telecast knew it. Everybody on the Penn State sideline knew it. Everybody on the Auburn sideline, I'm sure, knew it. The only guys that didn't know it were the officials in the replay booth. So when, when the play happened, first of all, I don't think that that's necessarily grounding. You might disagree. Um, I've seen that play a hundred times not get called simply no, because it's, it's a miscommunication. It's yeah. a miscommunication between the quarterback and the receiver. Clifford was not under any sort of pressure to just, you know, oh, crap, let me chuck it up, anything like that. You could see it was a miscommunication. In fact, Auburn wasn't that far away from, you know, a couple steps from picking it off, essentially. Um, so, yeah, that happens. And then 
all of a sudden, you know, it's, you know, I see that it's third down and Penn State runs just a five yard out to Dotson. And I'm thinking, why would they do that on third and 15? Then they're sitting the putt team out and everyone starts like, you know, yelling argument. There were these two Auburn fans a couple of rows in front of us that are like, no, you lose a down if it's grounding. I said, yeah, well, I know the rules of football, but you don't lose two downs. It went from first to third. Not everybody caught on to it. Majority of the 109,000 people did catch on to it, including myself, my brother, and the people, most people around us. But, you know, I don't, I don't know how that happens at this level. High school, middle school, sure, I can see an error like that when you don't have the technology and all that. But how does that happen? Yeah, it's it's a brutal call. Absolutely a brutal call. You know, thank God it didn't cost them the game or anything, but you know, that, that's 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 terribly bad and I don't know if there's any did the SEC, I know it was their crew, did they put out any statement or anything? They did. They said that that one was a mistake. And I'd say this, and this would be my parting thought. If, if you have a chance to go check out the SEC shorts, uh, by the way, you should follow their YouTube channel. It's really, really funny. But they did a specific one about SEC officials, and it references a lot of things that happened in the Penn State game. So if you're looking for a good laugh, go check out the SEC shorts. But the Penn State Nittany Lions come away with the win. They beat Auburn 28-20. Excellent game. We're going to check out uh, – our real guy, quick, Ryan. if you don't mind, if you don't mind, Bob, real quick, I thought we're going to stay on the grounding subject. Bo Nix is in the fourth quarter, third quarter, um, was was blatant uh, grounding, in my opinion. Now, was there – I thought there was a tight end he, on that side of the field. Not, not even close. It ended up in the first row. He was in the pocket. No, I get it, that, but yeah. there's a lot of guys that throw it away high and well, wide. Well, here, here's what I'm saying. If they're going to call the grounding on Clifford, then that's that's 100% got to be grounding. That's, that's my argument. Um, I think they're two the, completely separate plays, and you can probably let them both go. If I'm officiating, yeah. well, um, the one, well, yeah, I mean, Smith was on had had Nick's under pressure, and you can tell he just chucks it up. Of but course, the one the one thing I did like about the officiating was there there were I don't think there were any holds on either team the whole game, which I'm a fan of as long as like my thing is just call it call it if you're going to call holding, just be consistent, and if you're not. And I thought they let them play majority of the game. You know, like I was worried that they were going to call Brisker on pass interference on that fourth down where it wasn't even close because the Auburn guy pulled him down. Um, but, I, you know, I'm glad that they, they didn't – it wasn't like ticky-tack holding because I think both teams got away with a few. Yep. Yep. Really bad. We can leave that to litig- uh, some other folks to litigate. But some not-so-great officiating. Penn State worked their way through it. Huge win over Auburn. And next up is Villanova. We'll talk about that next with our guest, Ryan Lennox, our guest picker. He is a producer for Villanova football and basketball radio broadcast, does the coaches shows each week from a local bar. Uh, he will be a wealth of knowledge and we're excited to have him. You're listening to the Nittany Lions Sports Report. You're on Bob Long Sports. Dunphy Ford is Mayfair's neighborhood Ford store. Nobody knows your neighborhood like Dunphy Ford. Nearly 40 years. Right here on Frankfurt Avenue. Generation after generation, our neighbors continue to be our customers. We have access to the cars and trucks you want with financing you need. Dumpy Ford is Northeast Philly's first choice for America's number one brand. 7700 Frankfurt Avenue in Mayfair. Online at www.dumpyford.com. Come experience the Dumpy difference. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Nittany Lions Sports Report, everybody. Bob Long, Tyler Gelhouse, and our special guest picker today, 
He is Ryan Lennox, also of DJ Lennox, by the way. He is a man of many talents. But, uh, Ryan, what we're here to talk about today is the Villanova Wildcats football team, the opponent of Penn State this coming weekend. Number six versus number seven. Different polls, of course, and different uh, classifications of football. But yeah. we got a top 10 matchup coming our way this weekend. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. I'm good. I was just, uh, I was actually just looking at the box score from this past weekend, and good Lord, it was very interesting. Yeah. Um, you go through their last three games, obviously the 3-0. They've only given up a touchdown in one quarter so far this year. Okay. What quarter would that yeah. be? Uh, quarter three of the Richmond game. That's it. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. so we're looking, yeah. looking three, at this. Three, touch, three touchdowns, actually, in that quarter, huh? Wow. I mean, if you're going to blow it out, you might as well do it in one quarter. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. So, Ryan, you've been working with uh, with Ryan Fannin, and you work yep. with Ryan and Whitey Rigsby on the basketball side. You do yep. coaches shows from local establishments, most recently oh, yeah. Mark Ferrante, head coach Mark yeah. Ferrante of the football team. Tell us about Mark. Tell us about what, you know, what the personnel and what the uh, expectations are for this Villanova football team at the FCS and CAA level. Uh, so, yeah, I've worked with coach. I've worked with him before, but in a different capacity when I was with uh, 610. We did the show, but I did it from the studio. Mm -hmm. So it's a little different being up close and personal with these guys, you know, actually getting to chit chat with them on the breaks. But uh, he's explosive. He's uh, he's he's got this team all fired up. So um, they're good to go. Uh, this weekend looks very interesting. Uh, Penn State's offensive line is just eek. They're so good. But every game Villanova's in, it's just interception central so hopefully they can put a little pressure on that qb and you know have him make some mistakes but i think it's gonna be a good game you know maybe three out of the four quarters but who knows i've seen stranger things happen yeah interesting well you know a top ranked fcs team many years ago in appalachian state took down uh michigan and michigan yeah jmu beat a really good virginia tech team several years ago I think this one be, will be very, very difficult for Villanova to win, but there's no doubt a galvanizing win against Richmond this past weekend. Uh, did I see this right? A sellout crowd at Villanova Stadium. That, mm -hmm. that looked awesome. It was a whiteout, too, so it, it was a good time. It was a good time. Everybody I talked to was just going berserk about it because their first home game was the second game. Um, who did they play? Bucknell. And they might have had a couple of thousand people there, and they were going nuts and – they said it was crazy on Saturday, so I was busy doing a wedding, so I couldn't uh, partake in the festivities. So There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to this game. As you know, Ryan, a guy who grew up uh, a big villain of a football and basketball fan, I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee back in 2009 when – Matt Caesar and Brandon Harvey and Chris Whitney and all those Villanova guys went and defeated mm -hmm. Montana in the FCS football championship. So this is a game I've been looking forward to again for many, many years. Uh, now tell me more about your role though. So you are on site and, and tell me what it'll look like for basketball as well. You, you're in a very desirable position that a lot of people would end. <laughs> uh, so I am the on-site engineer for the coaches show on the on-site engineer slash producer for 
maybe one or two football games and then a bunch of basketball games coming up. So um, obviously we get them on the air. Uh, we get spots played, uh, you know, sponsorships, you know, talked about on the air. Um, sometimes they have somebody come in at halftime to do an interview. You know, we're in charge of making sure the highlights are tight. Uh, back with um, uh, Fox uh, Gambler. Those guys over there, they run a tight ship as well. So it, it, it's a it's a collective effort. It's me and two other guys, and it's great so far. That's good. Expectations for the basketball team? I mean, we talk Villanova. We can't just talk football. We have to uh, talk about this right basketball now, Right now, I would say Sweet 16 until I see Gillespie play, and then it'll probably be like Final Four. Wow, <laughs> okay. So that's, that's very direct. I was more like, like you know, hey, are they uh, – you know, how do they look? I, I got to tell you, I think this team does look great as well on the basketball side. Gillespie back, Samuel's back. Of course, Robinson Earl goes to the NBA, but. Um, Can't win them all. No, I, that's exactly right. Samuel's back is huge. He has that's, vastly that's, improved as a player. Yeah. I heard he put on like 15 pounds this summer, just straight muscle. Oof. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then they had a big recruit in the other day. Uh, what's his last name? Um, Lively. Uh, was that? I thought it was Hauser. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he came in. They gave him the whole grand tour. And he's teetering between Villanova and a couple other schools. But, oof, you pick him up, I'm telling you, he'd replace Gillespie in his role in the next year. So hmm. I think he would. I think he would probably start as a freshman. Okay. There you go. What's the yeah. vibe amongst back to football? What's the vibe um, amongst fans after the three and zero start about this game? I, I would guess that there's not an expectation that they're going to come win the game, of course. But uh, are people excited for the challenge? They're excited for the challenge and just the fact that like they're going to play at Penn State. Um, is there a time for that game yet? Yeah, it's noon kickoff. Oh, is it noon? Okay, because the other day it was still to be determined. So, I mean, that'll be a great opportunity to go out there and play those rotten Nittany Lions and uh, hopefully put a little scare into them. Um, I mean, expectations, you know, as long as they don't get blown out and just kills morale for the next game, I think I think they're going to be okay. I'll tell you so, what, even if they do get blown out, they're walking home with a big fat check to fund the rest yeah, of the tournament. That's what I always thought was funny is when the smaller schools play these big schools and they lo- and the big schools lose, like you just paid to lose, but eh, whatever. Now, now, how does it work? Um, obviously, Villanova is number seven in the um, FCS rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, assuming they lose, do they get, you know, penalized in the rankings for, for that? Or how's that, how's that uh, usually I mean, stick out? You can't, get, you can't get penalized when you're playing, what, number – what are they, number six? Mm-hmm. Penn yeah. State, you can't. You're not going to get penalized. I mean, if they lost like eighty-one to three, sure they would probably get dinged. But when you're playing a top ten school in the country, like you, you know that's on the schedule, so they they know that they're going to drop a little bit, but they're not going to drop like completely out of it. Right. Yeah. Of course. Okay. I don't yeah. think it's. I don't think it's like so structured as hey, we will physically not count this loss against you and your win-loss. No, but it's, but, it's well right. taken into account by the, uh, by the polls. And, and, and it's the same thing in, in, uh, at the end of the year. It goes by, like, spring to schedule. So Penn State goes on an insane run and they go undefeated the rest of the year, then that just makes Nova look even better. So, like, you played, like, the number one team of the nation. Like, you know, it bumps them up a little bit. But they'll take a little ding, but they're ready. 
They're ready for JMU. They're ready for Delaware. They're ready for everybody. And those are the big rivals. Battle of the Blue, Delaware, JMU down in Harrisonburg. They got Tyler. I don't know if you've ever been down there, but a wonderful stadium, Bridgeport Stadium. Yeah. As good a place. I've seen it, but I've never been to a game there. But um, yeah, yeah, my buddy. My buddy went to JMU, and he raves about their football program. It's like what football is to Texas down there, like what that school does for football. It's insane. I lived um, not too far from there for a few years, and uh, it's unbelievable. Wow. Mm -mm. That's great. Well, we can't wait for this game. Uh, We're going to put your money where your mouth is uh, on Uh our last pick, but we're going to make some other picks, five other picks. Tyler's going to give us the games. You're going to make your pick, and then Tyler and I will pick. And we, we recognize okay. your time frame, so we'll do it quickly. Gotcha. All right, we will um, we'll start off. Um, actually, Notre Dame takes on Wisconsin this week at Soldier Field. Give us your winner. Oh, Notre Dame, easily. Easily? Easily. They're going to trounce. They're going to trounce Wisconsin. <laughs> you are yep. confident. I'm going to go the gonna, other way. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say gonna... I'm going to say by at least ten too. By oh, at least ten. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if you're a betting man, but go ahead and throw some money on that because Notre Dame's like five point underdogs right now. Mm. Yeah, I like I like Wisconsin, Tyler. That's my pick. No way. I'm I'm going Wisconsin too. Um, Notre Dame. Well, we all know that Wisconsin lost Penn State, but. To me, it's Notre Dame hasn't looked great this year. Um, and in Wisconsin, a lot of people don't realize this, early season bye, two an extra week to prepare for Notre Dame. I think it's going to be a really good game, but I think Wisconsin will win it in the end. Our, um, our next pick is um, LSU at Mississippi State. Huh. I think that one's going to no, be a little no closer. No pressure. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Mississippi State on that one. Okay, because I can't, I can't stand LSU. Can't stand them. <laughs> I, I couldn't stand their basketball team. Can't stand their football team. So I'm gonna go with uh, Mississippi State. I'm gonna go with Mississippi State too. That fan, but you thought Penn State got a raw deal at times, and from an officiating standpoint, Mississippi State fans were incensed. They returned to Starkville, and I think the Cowbells. Um, and the LSU Tigers pay the price for that anger. What what happened? There was a there was an issue with a punt where they returned a punt, and then the officials had blown it dead. But they hadn't really check it out. Get, who did call. they play? Memphis. They lost. I believe they oh, did boy. lose to Memphis. All right. Well, in that case, I'm going with your with your uh, little research there, and I'm going Mississippi State as well for the clean sweep. We're going to keep it in the SEC uh, battle of top 20 teams, Texas A&M and Arkansas. I'll shake it up. I'll go with Arkansas. Texas A&M's played up. like – yeah, Texas A&M's played like garbage thus far this year. But I think they're a better team than Arkansas. I give Arkansas a ton of credit. Um, I think they come back to earth this week. I'm going Arkansas too, uh, home team, and A&M's starting quarterback, I believe, is still injured. Um, so, with those reasons, and because Arkansas killed Texas, that is my only basis with this. I think it'll be a fun <laughs> game to watch. So, I'm on an island there, Todd. I'm the only one. Yeah, you're on, you're, you are on your island, Bob. Um, we're going to jump 
to the ACC. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, Clemson not looking too hot this year. Um, they're going to travel to NC State, which I think could be a very interesting matchup. I'll definitely go with NC State. Clemson's another team like Alabama that gets every top five recruit in the country, all these five-star athletes, and it's just not fair. So I'm going to shake it up. We'll go with NC State. I'm going to say this is the day that Clemson returns to Clemson, and I think they win by three touchdowns. Whoa, whoa. Bob the Weapon with a big, big, uh, bold statement there. Bold statement. You know what? I think think Clemson's going to win. I'm going to pick Clemson. I'm waiting for them to turn it on because they have so much talent. I'm not sure if it's going to be this week. I think they're going to have enough. Now, remember, Clemson loses one more game. They're more than likely – out of the whole playoff race. So pressure's officially on. It has been on, and they're going to have to respond because going to NC State really isn't an easy place to play. I mean, they're going to be ready. Their fans are going to be geared up. They think they have a good team down there. I think it's going to be close, but I'm going to go Clemson squeaking it out over NC State. And we like will we, stay. We lost Ryan, I think. Up, oh, and he's coming back in. So let's just do this on the fly. Podcast magic. Podcast magic going on right here. Why don't you lead in with that next game? Last, it's actually second to last game, but um, it will stay in the ACC. UNC at Georgia Tech. Uh, uh, you know, my philosophy anybody but UNC, so I'll go with Georgia Tech. <laughs> I will go with UNC. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is tough because Georgia Tech almost beat Clemson last week, and now they return home to take on a really good mm-hmm. UNC team. Um, well, give me, I'll take Georgia Tech too. I'll go anybody but UNC. I like that. I like that <laughs> motto right there. So, give me yep. the Yellow Jackets, and then um, the final game. I could not find a spread on it. Bob found somewhere twenty nine points. Uh, Ryan, if you don't mind, give us your your um, score prediction for the Penn State Villanova game on Saturday and your winner? Uh, let's see. I think I think Penn State's going to be shook up even worse than that bad uh, that bad officiating call over the weekend with the funds. Um, I'm going to say um, 35 to 21. Wow. Yeah. So you got Villanova. Who? who? Penn State or Villanova? Nah, I got to go with Penn State on that one, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking, you know, Notre Dame, you're saying no doubt Notre Dame, maybe a Catholic school thing here or something. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> I, uh, I am going to pick Penn State to cover. I got a score in the 42 to 3 range. Um, but I, I, I am excited for this game to see Villanova and hope that it does galvanize the team over the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm going to go 49 to 6 Penn State. Um, I'm not sure uh, if Villanova, I, look, I really don't know much about Villanova, but they are a good FCS team. Um, if anything, it'll be good for them to come in and get that big fat paycheck. And, um, you know, then they have, I was just checking their schedule, they have a bye before JMU, right? So that'll be uh, good. That'll actually. The bye is what? I think they're a bye on the. On the second, so yeah, they've got a bye yeah. coming up. So, so yeah. I think it actually sets up pretty well for Villanova to, to you know, regroup, you know, take their lumps, 
against Penn State. And, and I think that the Penn State game is actually going to make it better for Villanova as a learning experience before they start here with, with JMU on the ninth. And I think that could pay dividends down the road for them. Yes, sir. Well, no, Ryan's not thinking we're putting enough R-E-S-P-E-C-T on Villanova's name. Hey, no, we'll, we'll see. You know, we'll I'm going to let Coach Ferrante know about that hideous score that you just gave out, too. So, <laughs> Hey, listen, all I can say, if Villanova somehow wins this game, I wonder how cra- how crazy Route 30 Lancaster Ave will be because I was down there when, when they won in 2016 over UNC, of course, with the Chris Jenkins shot, and it was crazy. Oh, yeah. So, you know. You never know. I wonder if it would be crazier, a crazier scene. I don't think it will happen, but, you know, crazier no. things have happened. Yeah. You never know, man. Well, listen, you wildcat. I got to get going here. But, uh, <laughs> Thanks for being enjoy here. That, uh, enjoy that pie on your face this weekend when the cats are the ultimate upset. So, <laughs> <laughs> Truer words. Well, we'll see. May never have been spoken. We'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye out for that, Ryan. Thanks for being here. All right, guys. All right. Take care. Thank All you. Right. So that is Ryan Lennox from the Villanova six o'clock on the dot and football radio producer six on the dot. We got him out of there onto his shift. He's a guy that does a lot of things, man. He does DJing for weddings. Uh, he does radio <laughs> producing. He obviously is working with Fox sports media group with the Villanova basketball and football shows. So um, yeah, a Renaissance man for sure. And we were happy we could have him as our guest for Villanova week. I mean, what better guest could you possibly imagine? And I don't know where you find these people, but you, you certainly have the, uh, the connections out there, my man. <laughs> well, it was a good show. Uh, anything you think we missed? I know we needed to bring Ryan on when we did. Um, anything more from Penn State Auburn? Before no, we go? You know, I don't really have anything else on Penn State Auburn. Um, you know, I think. Next week, hopefully, we really don't have too much to talk about regarding the Penn State Villanova uh, because that would probably be mean, mean it was too close of a game. Um, but I would like to talk about, you know, after hopefully Penn State does take care of business against Villanova, with all Big Ten games remaining, you know, I kind of maybe want to reset expectations here a little bit next week and, and see where the rest of this ride goes. Uh, I think that would be fun to talk about. I know our listeners are really – you know, starting to get excited with this 3-0 and start. Um, they just announced that Penn State, Indiana is a 7.30 kickoff on um, ESPN Family of Networks. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, after this Villanova game, we're Big Ten. Um, obviously, we already played Wisconsin, but the remaining schedule will be Big Ten. And I think the expectations and uh, may have changed a little bit for some people. And um, I'd, like to, I'd like to talk about that next week, and I think a lot of people would enjoy hearing that. There you go. So that's what we have to look forward to. Until then, enjoy the football. A noon kickoff. Villanova travels to Penn State. Like I said, a game that I in particular have always been hoping for. I was actually hoping for it on the basketball side of things. Yeah, that would be good. We'll take it here this weekend. But Tyler, big win over Auburn. Great job by Penn State. They showed out well on the national scale, both from a uh, you know, a, a diagram and, and basically how it showed on television and beyond perspective in person for recruits. And then what we saw on the offense and defensive play call side, all in all tremendous weekend for Penn state, a lot of momentum to build on, and we'll see what this team has for us over the next month. 
Thank you for being here. Thanks to Ryan Lennox, our guest picker. And we'll see everybody next week on the Nittany Lion Sports Report.